Alright, before we start this episode, I'm just gonna give you guys a little disclaimer. The audio is not ideal, I guess, just because uh, we're outside. And uh, Evan and I both had, we're coming, we were just at rehearsal and then we both had to go do other things. So uh, we just did this on the stoop of where we were doing our rehearsal. So there's a little bit of a traffic noise and um also my microphone kind of sucks so sorry about that and uh probably if i do more of these i'll just uh upgrade my equipment soon but uh thanks for bearing with me all right welcome back to the crossover cellist i'm your host lewis patzner and with me today is uh violinist extraordinaire Evan Price, you maybe know him from Hot Club San Francisco, or back in the day he used to play with Turtle Island Quintet. Uh, quartet. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you don't know him at all, or his work. Uh, Mr. Mr. Island? <laughs> um, and you tend to play with the New Century Chamber Orchestra a lot. I tend to, yes. Um, you wrote a concerto, which you premiered with San Francisco Chamber Orchestra, Correct. Uh, so you're a man of many um, facets of violin playing and, and probably other areas of depth, which I don't know about. And scratch golfer? Uh, no. Okay, so not not, you can't do everything, but hey. I can cook pretty good. There we go. Yeah, nice. Um, you are from Boston? Uh, from Detroit originally. Oh. I grew up in the Detroit area, and then I went to school in both Cleveland and Boston. Okay, so yeah, most, right. most recently before moving to the Bay Area, Boston. And then you moved to the Bay Area to be in Turtle Island, is that right? Correct. 1997. You, was that violin or viola? Violin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling a story about um, about how you were listening to that first Turtle Island quartet CD a lot. Yeah. When you were a kid. Mm-hmm. It was an LP that I had. Oh, wow. Actually, that's how long ago it was. Uh they, yeah, they put that out in 1986, I believe. So that was right when I entered high school. And uh, and I wore out that LP. Actually, I made a cassette copy of it and like listened to it in my bedroom. Yeah. And, you know, and just listened to it like crazy. And then I actually ordered the music for... Um, uh, side B of the, of the LP was um, David Balakrishnan's first string quartet, which is kind of like the, the opus that launched that, that group. Yeah, and I ordered the music from him and wrote him a note saying, "Hey, I really like your original stuff." And he wrote a note back to me and stuff. So I, I still have that somewhere in a, in a deep file cabinet. And I reminded Dave of it when I met him, and you know, ten years later. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like your jazz side of you is uh, kind of easier to trace than the classical side. But you do seem to play a lot of classical. I mean, New Century Chamber Orchestra is, I think, one of the great local classical groups how did your classical playing uh you know get to that point where you're playing with all these amazing musicians um well i mean i was trained and and uh you know continue to practice and i you know i went to the cleveland institute of music and i i majored in violent performance for a while for undergrad for under yeah yeah i can't really say undergrad because i didn't never did grad school but um oh right yeah, it was my undergraduate, my first foray into undergraduate right, studies. Right, undergraduate program. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, I stuck with that for 
maybe two and a half years or something like that before I switched majors to music theory and, and then eventually just kind of uh, chucked it and went off to Berkeley. That explains it. Yeah, that explains the, a lot of it. Yeah. The, the inharmonic minefields that you <laughs> put in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and did you find, like, when you were playing with Turtle Island, um, was it, were you playing much classical in that time of your life? No. I mean, yeah, from the time that I went to Berkeley, I was kind of just immersed in, in jazz. It's funny, I mean, I, I've always kind of thrived on having the diversity in my experience in my life. And so when I was at, at uh, in Cleveland, in my spare time, you know, to relax, I would listen to jazz. You know, because I was like surrounded by classical music all the time, and then when I went to Berkeley, I'm surrounded by jazz. You know, like ten times as much. So it's a huge place. And in my spare time, I was listening to classical music. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just totally swapped. But then, you know, and then I came to to play with Turtle Island, and yeah, and I practiced a bit more. I practiced did some more uh, some more classical music in my spare time, and um, but you know, just uh, just freelancing around, you know, is kind of what kept me going. Um, and I missed it. Whatever I'm not doing at the time, I, I miss. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Um, just, you know, there's so many different styles of music. Once you're the kind of person that plays, like, every style, yeah. then how, you know, it's hard to, like, really take a deep dive into any one particular genre. Like, you know, there's string quartets that rehearse every day, and that's what they do is their string quartet. It's a full-time job. Sometimes I wish I could do that, but at the same time, I really like um, being able to mix it up and have a lot of variety in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, your your recently released album is sort of uh, you know the fruition of these different blendings of uh, styles. So uh, there's an album called Dialogues, uh, Evan Price, and what that's the name of the album, right? Evan that, Price Dialogues. That is it. And there's a uh, Bach partita in D minor on that. Um, what inspired you to write the bass line and incorporate improv improvisation? Well, um, first of all, it's it's a piece that's you know that everybody every violinist knows really well, and, and I'm no exception. I you know started learning that when I was a teenager um, and performed it in my in my one and only classical violin recital uh, in Cleveland. Uh -huh. um, but also then when I went to Berkeley and I studied with uh, Matt Glazer, who's a famous string pedagogue, and he was the chairman of the string department there for a long time, um, we used the first movement of that, the Allemand, as a as a an etude for improvisation. And we did we did a harmonic analysis of it together and and uh -huh. practiced um, replacing some of Bach's notes with, with improvised notes and, and kind of alternating there and trying to make it seamless as a study of just as a way to work out on changes but also as a study of, of what Bach would do and so that, that kind of stuck with me um, and I decided to just take that further and, and um, you know make something real musical out of it rather right. than just an etude and do the, do the entire partita the, the decision to add a bass part to it was really um, out of necessity because I thought well I can get through the Allemande which is kind of rhapsodic playing I can get through that by myself but the rest of the stuff I want to I want to do something different to it and I want to um, I want to explore more more rhythmic variety um, while and, and more 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 opportunity for improvising um, 
and have the freedom to do that. So if I have a bass player, if I have some kind of rhythm section, holding down the groove and holding down the uh, holding down the harmony, just the, the bass notes of the harmony, then I can be be a little bit more free to be more more melodic. Right. When I improvise. Yeah, and so we're going to put the chaconne, uh, the final movement of the partita, uh, on at the end of this podcast. So you guys can kind of hear we're talking about, you know, follow the score and you'll see what we're doing different, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you are doing. I'm not on the record, but I have played this stuff with you. That's true. Um, yeah, it's cool. And so and a lot of other, sorry, a lot of the other record, or other pieces on the record are in more in the fiddly style of things. Yeah, a few. And so that's like another facet mm-hmm. of, uh, of Evan Price. Yeah. Did, did you go to like fiddle camps? Did you go to like, you know, Irish night at whatever pub? Yeah, the, the latter is more, more to, the, to the point. I mean, there weren't really fiddle camps that I knew of until about the mid-90s. Mark O'Connor started his first fiddle camp in 94, uh-huh. and I went to that, but I was already like 20 years old. So, right. Um, 22. Um, and I, you know, I went to the first couple of those, but um, yeah, I grew up in the time slightly before that, and, and um, but there was plenty of culture to be had, and, and around Detroit, where I where I grew up, there was there was an Irish group at a pub, you know, that you could go to once a week, and you could sit in with them, yeah. and you could go seek out, you know, and just being a violinist was kind of my passport, you know, because right. the violin is so well traveled, so you know, if I could just walk into a bluegrass jam and say, yeah, I'm a bluegrass fiddler, or, you know, right. do you mind if I just sit in or whatever? I could go a lot of different places and absorb, you know, whatever the violin could do. And there, you know, there was a, a nice Hungarian restaurant sort of in Detroit where they had a really authentic gypsy band, and those oh, guys cool. would let me sit in, you know, and um, just one thing after another. And uh, blues groups and, and Dixieland bands and you name it. Were other string players where you grew up, like in Detroit, were they doing anything like this? No, not really. I was the only one I knew. I mean, forgive me if somebody listening is <laughs> out there and was like, yeah, I mean, we used to go to these things all the time. What are you talking about? But uh, no, as far as I knew, I was the only one who went to all the places that I went to. You know, I, I knew some fiddlers who you know, like, were into Irish music and right. also bluegrass or something like that, and, and then might show up at a contra dance, but not who are also playing chamber music and yeah. you know, orchestral thing and, and playing Dixieland and all that stuff. And, I mean, so for me, learning all these different st- styles is like a survival tactic, you know? <laughs> and that, like, I grew up, I have professional musicians as parents, and they knew that if I was going to become a professional musician, I needed all the uh, help I could get, really. Um, so that's why I went in played all these different styles of music mm-hmm. also you know i like i like uh, uh doing other stuff other than classical especially as a kid but for you i mean why why did you break out you know uh, break out of that mold yeah well i also had parents who who you know as as parents will do when you tell them you want to be a musician when you grow up yeah they, they worry for you yeah right <laughs> and that's well founded you don't have to be a professional musician to know that it's it's it can be a hard life, you know, earning a living as a musician. So they thought, well, he better be as broad as possible, yeah. as, as as well, you know, prepared, you know, as as anything. So so yeah, they they decided to just equip me with as as a broad based a, um, a skill set as they could. Yeah, we're lucky to have smart parents. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, and then one other thing about the record. You have a really awesome track called Improvisation by uh, Django Reinhardt. And you use a crazy bowing technique, which is uh, you take the hair off and you kind of drape it over the strings and the bow goes behind the instrument and you can play um, chords that way. Would you do four note chords that way? Yeah, occasionally. You can oh get away God. with three notes, <laughs> which is mostly what I <laughs> yeah. do just to, to give my left hand a break so I don't have to finger so many notes. Yeah, That's I recommend that. checking that out. But then, so, okay, mm-hmm. pro tip. Pro tip. Turn the bow, right? Yeah, if you are stupid enough to try this at home um, and you take the screw out of the bow and put that in your pocket so you don't lose it, and you remove the frog from the stick, you wrap, you've done exactly as Lewis described, you wrap the hair over the strings, hurdy-gurdy style, and the stick below. Before you put any downward pressure on, make sure that the stick is turned 180 degrees so that it's facing down, the tip is facing down the way it would normally. Otherwise, you start putting pressure on that and the, the, the hair will just rip the tip right off or rip right out of the tip. And you'll have a, a repair bill and, you know, Anyway, it's just not fun. It's it's just, not it would fun. be embarrassing, you know? Right, and don't blame me, because you heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> Pro tip. Yeah. yeah. And and we were talking the other night that maybe this goes back as far as uh, Ola Bula. Yeah. The Ola great uh, Scandinavian? Is he Scandinavian? He's, he's Scandinavian Norwegian. Violin? Norwegian, Norwegian violinist? Yeah. Yes, a friend of Edvard Grieg. Yes. Uh, supposedly, he, he would do this for fun at parties, and um, possibly it goes back earlier than him. I mean, yeah. it's just such a great idea. It's it works it's super well. Things I mean. that you can't trace to one to any one human. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so that you, you incorporate that in your concerto, which uh, we are going to play. Uh, so August thirty first at St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Oakland, the composer, arranger, performer, orchestra, or capo chamber orchestra is doing a concert and. Uh, it's all original music and arrangements, but our guest is somebody who very much embodies uh, that concept, which is Evan. And so, um, how did how did this con- idea for a concerto come up? Were you asked to write it? Um, I was given the opportunity by um, Ben Simon, the um, right. music director of the uh, San Francisco Chamber Orchestra. This was maybe five years ago. He came to see me play, and he asked me, you know, do you compose? And I yeah. said, why, yes. And I already, But I already had the idea to do a jazz violin concerto in my head. And uh, and I know Ben, and I knew that he was director of this orchestra. And uh, he said, well, you know, maybe you should write something for us. And I said, how about a jazz violin concerto? And he said, great idea. Where the idea came from, um, it's hard to say. I mean, it's, again, like one of those obvious great ideas that, you know, I, it's... It's, it was kind of inevitable that I arrive at that at some point. Right. Here I am, a violinist, and I've had some, very little, but some experience as a soloist with orchestras or guest artist with orchestras. <clears throat> with Turtle Island, we did that a, a fair amount as a sort of solo quartet <clears throat> with uh, orchestras around the world. And, and I, you know, I got to play a couple of little concertos when I was a teenager. But um, so it just seemed like a natural fit for me. Um, and I've always been interested in. in composition and uh, I love the thrill of playing with orchestras and you know being a soloist so I thought I might as well do this and plus you know the the tradition of, of the player performer the composer rather composer performer goes back centuries you know to the be- to the time of the you know the beginning of the right. concerto 
that was certainly done and it, it was more normal to, to bring your own chart if you will like as the totally. guest artist to an or, to an orchestra than to have a separation between composer and performer yeah. have a composer writing for a different person um, and so I thought that that model fits fits the jazz musician the sort of j modern jazz musician model much better than the modern classical musician model absolutely so I just thought I might as well revive it and adapt it yeah. to my own purpose yeah I mean when people ask me like what inspires my like compositions even though my music doesn't sound like Vivaldi I'm very much inspired by Vivaldi because he was one of these guys he was hustling all the time writing his own concertos you know performing a lot setting up operas he wrote like tons of operas that people don't really uh, ever think about uh, and some of them are lost but some of them are out there and they're cool and so sometimes I just think like well what would Vivaldi do today if I don't know what I'm going to do that day, what would Vivaldi do? He would probably like practice his violin, probably like work on a composition. He'd probably try to set up a concert or something. He'd probably blow a bunch of money on uh, useless stuff. So maybe I try not to do that. Um, yeah, so it's concerto. It's uh, off the chain, I would say, and uh, we're real excited to play it, and we're going to do some uh, solid work on it. I think uh, tomorrow some of us are going to get together for a little sectional. My mom is playing. Uh, she's got some solos, which uh, I'm also eternally grateful to my mom for uh, playing. Carla Peaky, in case you, if you uh, know her. And um, so, hey, yeah, great. That's about it. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is uh, Grammy nominated? Grammy winning. Grammy winning. <coughs> All right. Fantastic. Yeah, so because... Um, on a previous episode, we talked about how Obama is probably a really hard get for the podcast. He's a Grammy winner, too. Right. But, hey, Obama, now we got, you know, the mold is broken, right? The seal is broken, so if we want to do that spoken word album that I have been uh, talking about, That's true. you know, you can come on the podcast. Not yeah. It's safe for Grammy winners, this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. All right. So this has been Evan Price. Um, we're going to listen to the Bach D minor Chaconne from his album Dialogues, which is available on streaming services, or if you go to his concerts, uh, you can check that out. Any other concerts other than uh, August 31st you want to plug? Uh, yeah, September 1st at Django Fest Mill Valley at the Throckmorton Theater, the Evan Price Trio is oh, yes. making its debut. Oh, fantastic. Plus, just a little modern jazz trio with uh, Jordan Samuels on guitar and Owen Clapp on bass. Fantastic. And then we're playing with... Uh, are we the interlopers now? Interloper trio? We might be. <laughs> We're playing with Jonathan Alford, also at the Throckmorton Theater. What is that, the 17th? September? Sometime in October. It's Oh, October. October 17th. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'll put it on the... Um, <laughs> I'll put it on the description. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Evan, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Lewis. Um, and remember, it's not celloist. It's cellist. Just a quick note. I should have asked Evan what his Grammy was for, and it turns out he's won two Grammys, both with Turtle Island String Quartet. One of them was called A Love Supreme, The Legacy of John Coltrane, and the other one was Four Post Four, which is an album I actually have. And those are both with, yeah, Turtle Island String Quartet in the Best Classical Crossover Album, which I think is a category that uh, does not exist anymore. All right, here's the Bach Chacon.
Thank you. 